And welcome to Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is the college football week seven betting preview show. It's been a good year so far. Um, as of right now, we are in the green, a nice 58%. 21 and 15, not bad. We get the win last night in the over in Houston, West Virginia game. What an awesome way to start the weekend. Just pure chaos. You know, there's rumors swirling around that Holgerson might be out at, at Houston. So we we kind of favored if you're following us on our social at Trophy Kids Pod, which if you're not, make sure you are subscribed because we give out additional bets there, like the Thursday pick two special, which has been absolutely nail so far i mean we're eight and four right now 67 percent on the thursday picks but a good game we, we there's sort of rumors flying around that that his time down in houston may be up um and so we thought he might go down swinging he absolutely did gets a game winner there terrible backdoor cover uh for any of you that you know had West Virginia. I do feel bad for you there. Uh, that team's been better than expected. We've been doubting them a lot here uh, at Trophy Kids, but they've played well the last couple of weeks. Ton of injuries on that side. So we'll see how their season goes, but we've, we've got some good football games to break down. I've got a wedding this weekend, um, those fall weddings. So unfortunately, I'm going to miss some of these games, but don't you worry. Like always, I'll have them recorded. I'll go back. I'll watch them. So you get the best breakdowns in the industry here at Trophy Kids Podcast. And I think a good spot to start right off the bat, Tennessee, Texas A&M. It is at Tennessee and Neyland Stadium. The line is at three over under 55 and a half. This game is a very interesting one um, because you've got a Tennessee team coming off a bye, had extra time to prepare. We know Hypo, when he's in that spot, draws up something offensively that's going to give you some troubles, especially with the opening day script. Um, and you've got a Texas A&M team that's reeling. I mean, the secondary is not very good. Uh, they constantly are getting torched. They need to get better in the secondary. Up front, they've been very good. Um, even though I thought Alabama handled them pretty well last week. I mean, we saw an Alabama offensive line that's been struggling all season to finally kind of get some push uh, in the trenches. Texas A&M had to send extra pressure to get home. They couldn't just rush their down linemen and get natural pressure that way, which ultimately hurt them from a defensive effort. I think that's going to be a very similar thing here. Um, I think both these defensive lines have the ability to get out after the quarterback, but when you're dealing with a home game, and this is why home field advantage, especially in these some stadiums like Neyland Stadium, is so vitally important because you can get your cadence down. You, you know, you, your offensive lines are a little bit more in sync because of the they're not dealing with the noise factor where opposing teams are going to be dealing with that. And I think that could be a real struggle here for this AM team. I mean, you've got Max Johnson, who has showed not as well as I think a lot of people had hoped. Um, he holds on to the ball a, a little too long. Getting through his progressions has been a, a little tricky, I think, for him as he still continues to kind of look adjust to this this offensive philosophy that if we're being honest is stuck in the stone ages i mean jimbo fisher and bobby petrino is a brain trust that i would not want to have <laughs> if i was a booster but you've got that incredible buyout down in texas a&m right now 77 million i think for for jimbo and and that's that's a tough one they're reeling um you know joe milton this is a spot potentially for an under um, because while Joe Milton has the cannon of the arm that we're aware of, this Tennessee offense really struggles once they kind of get down into the red zone. Um, 
you know, they can, they can push the ball for sure. They have the ability to be explosive, but once the field sort of shortens on them, that's where things start to go awry. We'll say. Um, and that's because Joe Milton struggles with the intermediary to short throws, um, which has always kind of been, been a problem for him. So we'll see there. I, I do think Tennessee is the side here. Um, because of their ability to take some shots, to be a little bit explosive against that Texas A&M secondary, I think it's going to be somewhat of a low-scoring affair. Um, so I, I, I'd much rather put my trust in this Tennessee team than I do in a Jimbo Fisher-led Texas A&M team. If anything has shown us the last two weeks, his end-of-game situation and management is horrendous. So, yeah, I, I, I think... Tennessee is, is probably the side. I don't hate the under. I haven't bet the total here. I haven't bet this game yet. I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to put it on the card. We're going to go Tennessee minus three Miami versus UNC game is set at three and a half over under 57 and a half as of right now, uh, as of this recording, this is a really tough spot. I think a lot of people when it flashes that three, three and a half, which it's sort of been doing this entire, I don't know, last couple of days, would be a lot more confident, I think, in the, it's actually at three right now. It just flashed down to three. So for, for this podcast sake, we're going to go ahead and, and and put it as a three number. Um, Under just got down to 56 and a half. Okay, this thing's moving a little bit. All right, um, Miami UNC. People would be a lot more confident, I think, betting this Miami side uh, had last week not happened in what was, as we talked about in the recap show, just a brain-dead decision at the end of the game. I mean, it should be a fireable offense, especially now that he's done it twice in his career. He did it at Oregon a lot, and he now did it here, and it, it backfired against him again. Um, but that is Mario Cristobal. I think Miami knew exactly what they're getting. He is a terrible game manager. Not good. Never has been, never will be, but he's a really good recruiter and he, he brings in talent and this Miami team was starved of talent the last couple of years. And so that's why you brought him in and that's why you've put so much money into your collective and that's why you're recruiting. I mean, at that game, it was a big recruiting game. They lose that horrendous game and yet they still sign a top 100 player. Like that is the crystal ball error in, in a nutshell right there. That's exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get really bad game management. Um, where they just try to play bully ball and then they go kaput at the end. I mean, you've got your assistant coach screaming at you to kneel it and you still can't do it. Um, it, it, it was bad, obviously very, very bad um, in a poor, poor showing. So, so that, that was kind of uh, an interesting side to say the least, but this is a spot where you've got a Miami team going up against the UNC team that UNC has kind of struggled from an offensive line standpoint, I think. Um, it's something where we've seen somewhat of a balanced approach and balanced attack um, from this UNC team, which I I don't exactly know what the purpose is here for that. I think, sorry, had had some things come up here. Um so I had to take a break, come right back. Uh, so Miami, yeah, real balanced attack, uh, to say the least. They need to let it rip here. They've got to put the ball in Drake May's hands. You get Tez Walker back. He's been good. Like, he, he's been very good um, in his in his first game back, I thought. So that's going to be really important. Um, another game in this system, you get your number one weapon back. 
but you got to let it rip because the, the weak spot for Miami's defense is certainly in their secondary at the corner position specifically. Great safety play, but at the corner position, they are a tad bit weak. So you've got to try to take advantage of that because up front, they're very good. You know, sixth in defensive yard, defensive line yards, 10th in defensive success rate. So this is a good Miami football team. I, I haven't done anything because I don't trust either one of these teams. I think if you wanted to bet UNC, you better grab it at three because if this is a close game like I anticipate it's going to be, I have a very strong feeling that we're going to be playing for field goals and not touchdowns with the the brain power that is on both sides of, of the field here. So, yeah, I, I think I think this is a, a potentially good spot to buy Miami low. Um, I think had they won this game, a lot of people would be – or had won last week, a lot of people would be on the Miami side, but because of that, they're just not. Oregon versus Washington line is at three over under is set at 67 and a half. Oh man. This is the game of games. This is something that I am very excited for. Um, it's actually moved down to 66 and a half uh, as we speak. So this, this is going to be a fun one. This is the matchup. I think all Pac-12 fans have been waiting for. All college football fans have been waiting for. You've got an incredibly high-powered offense in Washington. Penix Jr. is playing lights out against an Oregon team that poses some problems uh, for this Washington team. I think when we look at this, the Oregon side is the more complete team, the more well-rounded team. But what Washington offers from an offensive standpoint and from a coaching staff is fantastic. Um, we know the story with Road Bowden Knicks. A lot of that was influenced from his time at, at Auburn. Um, they haven't really required Bo Nix to do a ton. You know, his A dot is down this season. It's a lot of dump and dump and dink kind of plays, not you know, making him get out of his comfort zone. Uh, and they've been really good. You know, this is the 10th passing offense and sixth rushing offense right now in the country, or eighth rushing offense in the country. I apologize. Um, this is by far the best offensive line that Washington is going to have to have faced. Um, and so there could be some struggles there in getting pressure um, because they that is sort of their weak spot on this defense is their ability to manufacture pressure. Um, and, and this will be by far the best offensive team they've had to go against. So when I look at this game from a betting standpoint, there are some holes and weaknesses that the Washington defense has that I think Oregon is in a nice spot to take advantage of. Um, they are going on the road, which will be a, a little tough. I think Dan Lanning, too, you give him the extra time here to prepare for this Washington offense. He's got an outstanding corner there in Oregon. I, I kind of go Oregon Ducks here. I, I like the Oregon play as the underdog uh, to cover the three. I think they're the more well-rounded team. I think that they are going to be very physical up in the trenches. They can manufacture some good pressure uh, against a very good Washington offensive line. Um, so yeah, I, I rock with Oregon here. I, I will take Oregon on this this play. UCLA Oregon State. That is another one that I'm, I'm I have placed a wager in. I'm very interested in uh, the line currently. Let's get a live line because when i put this sheet together lines have been moving it is at three and a half over under 54 look ucla is making a trip up to oregon state that is one incredibly tough environment to travel to you've got more who's been struggling as a true freshman making that trip for the first time against an oregon team 
that isn't going to allow him to get into too much rhythm. You know, the Oregon State team's weakness is on the back end in that secondary. It can get got, and it has gotten got. We, we've seen that here, um, especially against the Washington State teams. And this UCLA team, they're you think Chip Kelly, you normally think offense, but this is sort of the reverse. Their defense is their strong suit right now. Um, but when we look at this UCLA offense versus this Oregon State defense, they have to be able to, to push the ball down the field. They have to, more has to be able to make some big time throws. And he has yet to show that ability. He's had opportunities in games and he's just missed. Um, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced he is the best quarterback on the roster right now. Obviously, because he's a freshman and the ceiling is much higher, you don't want to lose him in the new day and age for the transfer portal. So I think that is weighing in on Chip Kelly continuing to play him, even though he is struggling right now. That's not to say he won't be better down the line. That's not to say he's not going to be a very good player at UCLA if he sticks around, because I definitely think he's there. You can see the potential there. It's just it's not firing right now on all cylinders. It's it, He's not connecting. Um, he doesn't have the touch you kind of need at this next level. And and that's fair. You know, he's playing in a very tough conference right now. UCLA's had a tough schedule of games, and he's showing the true struggles of a true freshman. So no knock against him. I think he'll get better. But because of those struggles, this is going to be a really tough game for UCLA. Because when we flip the side of the ball, you've got DJ who's coming off his best game yet. I mean, he was making some incredible throws last weekend um, in that game. He had five touchdowns, looked really good. You've got a really good offensive line. In Oregon State, that is their their bread and butter. They are maulers up front, and while they the right tackle did get banged up last week in that game, right now he, he is looking like he is going to play. That is maybe a situation to monitor a little bit because this UCLA defensive line can get after it, um, and that's maybe where you become a little bit uneasy um, because. You know, UCLA is certainly up to the task in the trenches. They're going to put some pressure on DJ. Oregon State's going to look to control this game by running the ball, building off play action from there, letting DJ sort of pick and choose his spots because I don't think the UCLA offense is, is going to make this Oregon State defense get outside of what it wants to do offensively. Um, but DJ's got to be good. He's got to be consistent here. He's got to put back-to-back -back weeks down uh, of good, solid football play from the quarterback position. And so I am going Oregon state in this one. I just think they match up too well uh, against this UCLA team. If, if more was playing a little bit better, this evaluation would be a little bit different, but based off what we've seen so far in sort of non-progression there, uh, I am going to go Oregon state in this one, USC Notre Dame. This is a great game. Uh, I cannot wait. Cause I, I love this game from a betting standpoint. Um, the line right now has been it's been moving around this week, uh, to say the least. You may, if you've already bet it, you may have gotten a three spot. It's currently sitting at two and a half. I did grab USC at the three spot, um, but let's talk about it because I still think there is value here, even at the two and a half. Look, we talked about this last week. The juice just isn't there for Notre Dame. They are dead tired, and you could see it in the trench play, both on their defensive line and especially their offensive line, which has struggled. We talked about this in, in the preseason breakdown in Notre Dame. Left tackle Joe Alt, phenomenal. But even he looked suspect last week against Louisville. The interior defensive or offensive line was a bit of a concern for us, and they haven't looked great. And I think a large part of that is just because their legs are tired. 
they look like they're playing in cement. And that goes to the fact, and we talked about this, that their schedule has been absolutely brutal. They play a week zero game on another continent. They come back. They've ripped off seven games since then. So they they played a total of seven games. Um, this will be their eighth. They've played three back-to-back really tough games, starting with Ohio State that took every ounce of energy, juice, every piece of will that you had in your body to play that game. Went down to the minute. You get your heart ripped out at the last minute. You then have to follow that up by traveling to Duke, which you have another really down-to-the-wire game that, that requires max effort. Then you go to Louisville, and you have to play max effort. You get beat there. You look slow. You look tired. And now you've got to play a USC team that while USC defensively is a joke, their strength is their defensive line, especially the interior of that defensive line. Bear Alexander is no joke. He's going to have a lot of success, I think, against this interior of this Notre Dame offensive line. And so the other part of, of Notre Dame is they have struggled in the wide receiver room. You know, Marcus Freeman has really got to attack that position group in recruiting. And he's done so, so far. You know, you got a five-star kid in Cam Williams coming in next year. That's great. That'll help because this wide receiver room, while it is somewhat young, they're struggling to get separation. They're struggling to get healthy right now. That's hurting Sam Hartman and his ability to be the the quarterback you wanted him to be when you brought him in this offseason. They've still got a good run game in SMA, but this is a bit of a sluggish offense. And if, USC does what USC does and puts up a bunch of points. I really question, even against this really down USC team, Notre Dame's ability to score points. And then you flip the side. I do think Notre Dame can slow them down here a little bit. This is the best defense by far, without question, that USC will have faced. But there is a a fair argument to be made that because USC has played a joke of a schedule so far against opposing defenses, they've probably been holding some things back from the playbook. They probably haven't shown a ton of looks and they're going to have some things loaded up for this game for some big explosive plays. Caleb Williams has got to be a little bit better. I I think And what I mean by that is Caleb Williams, number one prospect, best quarterback in college football right now, without a doubt. But you can see in these past couple games where he's just kind of messing around, seeing what he can get away with. This is probably not the game to do that. You're going to probably have some bad inclement weather, some tough winds. It's going to be raining, it looks like. They do have turf in Notre Dame, so that is certainly going to help with the conditions a little bit on the field. But this is a a good secondary, a really good defense, one of the top-tier defenses in college football. But the question, once again, becomes, do they have the juice? And I just don't think so. So I have gone ahead. I bet USC. I bet them again at two and a half. I'd even consider money line or potentially an alternate spread if you want to get really crazy with it um, as the favorite. Because I, I do think this is a game that it simply just comes down to Notre Dame's exhausted. It's midterm week. You know, they didn't go out. They, they fumbled it with the offensive coordinator position and the offense has certainly suffered because of that. The wide receiver room is down. Everybody is just dead exhausted in this team. You can see it in the way they play and they've got a USC team offensively. That's going to make them run around a lot. And I think the defensive line matchup against the Notre Dame offensive line matchup just gives enough to give them a little bit of separation that USC goes ahead and, and wins this wins this game. Um. All right. Not bad so far. Um, <laughs> I, as I kind of continue to look at the board, you know, I, I did want to say something about Kentucky here. You know, Mark Stoop has been taking a little bit of a beating for his comments this week and, and talking about how 
you know, if fans want to compete at the elite levels in the USC's and beat teams like the Georgia's, they're, they're going to need to contribute a little bit because Georgia's out here buying players and, and things like that. And I think that Stoops is sort of correct here. Uh, Stoops has maxed out what Kentucky can offer as a football program. I mean, when he got there, the Kentucky football program was in complete disarray. I mean, this was a really terrible program. And he has brought them to a respectable level. We're sure they are not beating the elites of the elites, but they're manhandling Florida right now. They're they have a winning record. They're constantly, you know, being talked about in mainstream media because they are getting ranked season after season. But the problem is you're in a you're not in a talent-rich state. You don't have the money and budget that some of these bigger programs have. So what you have to do is you've really got to maximize your transfer portal ability and identifying some players there. And then you've also got to go ahead and you got to go out and pick and choose your battles on who you're going to sign. And I think Mark Stoops has done a really good job of, of getting this program to a really sustainable, good level. Like this is what could like best opportunity for Kentucky football at this point. You know, they don't have the deep, rich tradition from a football standpoint. You know, they don't have the deep pockets that the other teams in the SEC have. They don't live in a talent-rich state. So, yeah, if if you want to be competing with those Georgia teams and other big programs across the country, you know, they need the money to do that in this day and age. And if not, they're going to be a really good team. They might squeak out a really big win here and there. They're going to consistently be really good. Mark Stoops is one of the best coaches in college football as far as developing players and getting game plans down and, and, and bringing together a really good football team. Um, but he's going to need a, a little help on that front. Um, other games that we we may have bet, uh, I did go ahead and, and place a small little wager on Michigan State plus five and a half earlier this week uh, on the Rutgers side. Uh, I think Michigan State has a, a spot here. Um, I think offensively, they've shown that they have the ability to move the football. Um, I mean, even in in their latest loss, they had like 500 total yards of offense. So this is a team that I think will be able to move the football a little bit um, and hang around in this game. I think this is a, this is a good spot to potentially buy them there. Um, Syracuse, Florida State. I feel bad for Syracuse at this point. They just, it's every year now. It feels like they just have depth problems. Like up front, they're really good, but they get banged up every year and then they just don't have the depth behind it. Um, and I feel like we talk about this every day. They're just too banged up heading down to Florida State. Florida State's honoring their former national championship team down there. It's going to be a big week for Florida State. So I, I think that's a spot to potentially look at. That's kind of what we're, we've got going on uh, this week. I don't have much else. Um, we might tweet out some additional bets, as we always do. So make sure you're following at Trophy Kids Pod uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, make sure to subscribe, share. Uh, we appreciate your support. But, yeah, I think USC is, is the best bet of this week, uh, plus two and a half, plus three. You could potentially even sprinkle some money line action on that. Um, I feel I feel pretty good about that one. So that'll do it for the college football show. Hopefully you enjoyed it. We will be back next week. Check out the NFL show. It is out uh, today. We have Michael on for that one. It's a good episode. Uh, and then we'll be back to recap this this week. So happy betting season. And as always, peace.